For a lot of people, the job title building superintendent conjures up images of Dwayne Schneider, the superintendent from the 1970s television show One Day at a Time. But in reality, supers are a lot more than just handymen with tool belts and overloaded key rings. Good morning. I'm George Borarki, and this is Cityscape. On this morning's show, what exactly do supers do? How have their jobs changed through the years? And what are their biggest challenges? Also today, a super-turned-author talks about her new novel, appropriately titled Super in the City. Glad you're with us for Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. Here now to shed some light on the job of building superintendents are Peter Roach and Peter Gretsch. Peter Roach is president of the Manhattan chapter of the New York Superintendents Technical Association, and Peter Gretsch is the group's former president. Good morning, guys. Good morning, morning, George. Good morning, George. Good morning. Now let's start off with Peter Roach. How long have you been a super in New York City? About 15 years, George. Largely in co-ops or in rentals, too? Um... Started in a co-op, and now I'm in a condominium. Peter Gretsch, how long have you been a super? Uh, 33 years, too long. 33 years, that's a long time. Yeah. You must like your job. It's recession-proof. I've learned that. It's recession-proof. It's a good job, and I like what I do. Peter Roach, you say that you're a super to the stars. I'm on the Upper East Side. I'm tripping over stars. Forget about it. Are they a demanding bunch? Yes, a very demanding bunch. <laughs> Actually, he's only a super to the stars because he's right next to the the famous funeral house. Oh, fr- well, I got to give uh, Frank Campbell's a shout out. Yeah, so uh, he just sees them dead as they get. While buried. we're doing shout outs, we got to say hel- hello to Charlene at Wallach Management, best managing agent in uh, Manhattan. I would imagine that you have to be pretty tight with management, huh? When you're a super, you do have to have a relationship with management to to be able to survive, function, and survive successfully in the building. The report has to be good and strong. Um, the trust has to be there. Now, Peter Roach, you said that you have some stars in your building. Can you name names? Well, we got uh, Mr. Ben Gazzara. Uh, Luther Vandros used to live in my penthouse. Uh, penthouse was for sale recently. We had uh, George Hamilton came in to see it. Woody Allen, Mayor Giuliani, Billy Joel. Peter Gretsch, what kind of building do you work in? We have a co-op. 350 apartments right behind the uh, UN. Luxury co-op? It's called a luxury co-op, yes. Are you both live-in supers? Yes. Yes. That's a pretty sweet deal, isn't it? On one level, it's a pretty sweet deal. On the other level, it's very difficult to live where you work. I would imagine that you're called on at all hours of the day and night. Um, pretty much. Me, not so much. Do people take advantage of that, knowing that you're in-house? Yep. An actual fact that's thrown at your face from time to time. Well, that's why you, you get the free rent, because, you know, you've got to tend to us. Is that hard to swallow? Sometimes. You've got to pick your fights. And especially when it comes to raise time, they throw that in at you, too. You know, oh, well, you know, you get free rent. Do you, though, have people working for you that you can dispatch? Yeah. Um, well, Peter has a bigger building than mine, but I don't know how you would put it, but... Uh, You've got more working blue-collar workers than I, I have. I've got more porters and handymen than you, yes. I'm a, I have a smaller building. I, I would think that, um, how, how would you put it? My, my job is uh, more sensitive on some level than yours. Yeah, a lot of people, when they hear 
the term super, they think handyman, and that's not necessarily the case. You guys are managing people. It's a pretty big job. Look at you. You have a tie. We're resident, resident manager. Yeah, what's the difference between a super and a resident manager? You have manager? Your, working, your working superintendents who go around like uh, Schneider on that show uh, with the tool belt and does everything himself. That's a smaller operation. You one know? day at a time, yeah. Right, one day at a time. In the old days, we were janitors. You cleaned the building, you fixed the building, and, and as buildings became more complicated, as apartments and buildings became more valuable, there's been an evolution. And as the, bigger, the building is bigger, then there's even a more progression from supervisory going into management. I would think that you guys are now in charge of security in many cases. You're taking a look at what's happening on those video cameras, stuff like that. And right. from what I understand, some buildings also require resident managers, supers, to know CPR. Right. Security is is top priority at the at the front door. We all have video cameras now. We have 24-hour doorman, and then you have porters and handymen, and it's something the Superintendent's Technical Association is the only supers club in New York that welcomes PhDs, porter, porters, handymen, and doormen into the club. You don't have to be a super. Don't be fooled by our name. Any building service worker in New York or the tri-state area is welcome to come and join our club and be educated on just about every aspect of building services and what goes on in your building. Is this a regulated industry in New York City? Do you have to be certified to be a super? Do you have to have a license? No. The only regulations would be from the fire department. Depending on what systems you have in your building, uh, you would have to have certificates for sprinklers or standpipe or boilers, that kind of thing. But other than that, no. Are there any laws, though, pertaining specifically to supers? Do you have to live in the building where you work? Yes. New York State and New York City says that there must be a super within 200 feet of the building or in the building if the building is of, of about eight families or more. Do you have to be a part of a union? That no. was nine. I had nine fingers up. Oh, I did. Well, right. yeah, okay. Nine families or more. Actually, the New York State says nine. New York City says eight. So you go by New York City. STA, the Superintendent's Technical Association, also teaches standpipe and sprinkler and boiler six. Boiler six, did you say? Number six. Number six boiler, yeah. oil, oil burner. And we're also going to go on to doing certifications for superintendents, too. We're, we're jumping into that. It's pretty much well known that you need these licenses just to interview with a board of managers. You can go through the Sunday Times, and there's always six or seven supers jobs. Just to get through the interview process, you're going to need the standpipe sprinkler boiler six. How competitive a field is it? Well, now forget about it. Everybody's trying to get in. <laughs> yeah, right? very yeah. competitive. Yeah. I heard that it's easier for doormen to get in because they already know buildings. Is that true? To get in what? To, to get in as a super. A doorman can make a transition. Yes. Trans doormen do make the transition. Handymen make. The natural progression would be doorman or porter, then you become handyman, and then you become super. Can it be a lucrative job? Can you make a lot of money? You can make a lot of money. Yes. You can make a lot of money. What's a lot of money? 100000 plus. Do you think some residents would be surprised that you're earning that much? I would imagine in some scenarios you're making more than them. Probably, but at the same time, we're under a lot. Yeah, I'm going to put our job as a stress level. You would have maybe... Uh, I'm a 12 out of 10 right now. Uh, probably the air traffic controllers, number one. President of the United States, number two. If I knew it was going to be this difficult, I would have went to law school and then medical school. I'm not kidding. What causes that stress in the job? What's your biggest stressor today? What's weighing on you? <laughs> <laughs> 
when construction goes wrong, it's just you're married to the building on a level. It's it's not like going to uh, to work and then you get to go home. You're you're in the building. You 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 can't shake it. So, a lot of supers have a place to go on the weekends and they get away and try to detox and and that uh, seems to buy us enough time to allow us to do what we do. Peter Gretsch, what about you? What's your biggest stressor on the job? Residents. Residents. Yeah, they're very demanding. Probably not just me, but many, many supers and resident managers. We're kind of like becoming babysitters. Do they ask you to do things like that? Watch my dog, walk my dog? They absolutely, they absolutely. A oh, ton of things. And then they, they come crying. I had a lady the other day. Uh, her toilet wasn't working fine. It's a co-op. You're supposed to repair it, but we're nice. We do the labor. You buy the pot. We told her it's $22 for the pot. She gives me $21. The pot actually costs twenty two thirty nine. So she gives me <laughs> $21. She said she did, the rest, she, did, she only has a couple of bucks for lunch. Fine. We didn't get to do it. So we, it's on the on the thing for today. She leaves me this this uh, message on my phone at 9 at night. And she says, and I know you're in your office. And she goes, oh, you know, uh, you've got to help me, please, please, please. Call a plumber. It's $150 plus the pot. I, you know, I, what do you do? Bite your tongue? Sometimes you know, I do bite my tongue a lot, and sometimes I do fire back. But every time you fire back, you're seen as a uh, a monster, you know? What's the stupidest thing you've seen a tenant do? Something that they caused their own problem? <laughs> overflow their sink. And oh, they overflow their sinks. So you've got water leaking down three, four apartments below each other. And now you start looking for a leak. You knock on the door. Do you have water on the floor? No. Did you overflow your sink? No. Do you see? No. So then you keep continue going up and up and up. Two hours later, you come to the conclusion she overflowed her sink. Yeah, or, they or, they won't come clean. They won't no. admit. You know, we wish they would do that, but they don't. You have to track it. Make, you know, it would make your job easier if they did. Yeah. There's embarrassment involved, so they try to. It doesn't help the situation at all. Or, or when they pop a circuit breaker. Oh, I've got no power in my in my kitchen. Okay, there's a circuit breaker. You go, you show them five times on different, and they still don't understand. No, people in my building, we do everything for them. What's the most egregious thing someone's asked you to do? Somebody pointed out a, a, a booger the other day on the handle to the front door. <laughs> now, I was going to open up this investigation because this booger was placed in only... The guy that brought it to our attention had to put the booger there. That's the way I figure it. <laughs> it was out of sight, and it was a little to do with the doorman, and I, I just let it go rather than, you're not going to get anywhere with that one. We, we we got problems like people come home in a cab, they got no money. Ooh, I can't pay the, I can't pay the cab. The doorman pays them the cab. Yeah. Now these people usually yeah. maybe have had a little too much to drink. Yeah. Next day, they don't remember. Forget it. Kiss that money goodbye. Yep, yep. But then there are other uh, other tenant, you know, rent residents that if 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 you lend their kid, the kid comes home from school, you give the kid five dollars, you might get back fifty by the time uh, the mother or father catch up to you. That that happens a lot. So you break even, you you lose on one, so right. and, and you break even on the other. Right, it's a service industry, so you know. And the menu guys, oh, that's a pet peeve in my building. The the menu guys when they put menus under the doors. Guy delivers pizza or Chinese food to the 17th floor, and then you look on the camera, 
15 minutes later and he's on the fourth floor or the fifth floor or the sixth floor. He jumped in the stairwell and he's throwing menus under everybody's door. So I remember way back when I, tra I trapped a guy in the elevator. The elevator, I was a doorman and the controls were there at the front desk. Same thing, the guy goes up and the super at the time was a, a maniac about menus. And 20 minutes later I see this guy. It was a 40-story building. Delivered Chinese food to like the 17th floor. I see him on 37. Then I see him again. I pulled him down and I locked him in the elevator for about 40 minutes until he almost had a nervous breakdown. And then we let him out. Yeah, we, we, what we do is we just pull out a menu and call up about $150 worth of food to uh, a bogus uh, apartment number. Nice, nice. And Mr. then they, they deliver, oh, we're going to 39A. Well, our building only goes to the 31st floor. Very nice. Hey, we we tell them nicely. We tell them and tell them and tell them and tell them. You know, you can't win in our job. But clearly you have your techniques to deal with your problems. You develop them. You develop them. You take some punches and you roll them, but you can't win. The problem is a lot of people don't understand what we do. We are responsible for your quality of life. When you go on a, on, on a journey in a car, you go to a gas station. We're your gas station. You come, we give you the road map, we, we service your engine, right. we take care of your oil, and set you off on the path. And from time to time, you come back for a refill. It's beautiful, Mr. Greg. Yeah, beautiful. I'm glad. It took me a while to think of yeah. that one. Now i got to come up with something. Yeah, before we let you go, are you going to give us a little Elvis Presley? What are you going to do know. for us? kind of nasally now. What should we do here? I, I can't say on the radio, but... Let, let me try my Rocky Balboa first. Yo, 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 Adrian. Adrian. <laughs> Stay right here. i got to walk my dog buckets. Hold on. You see my fish over here, Adrian? Yo, Adrian. This is Cuff and this is Link. <laughs> Absolutely. Are you lonesome tonight? Do you miss me tonight? Are you sorry we drifted apart. That's all I got for you, George. Hey, that's right? talent. That's, that's talent, That's what a cold, George. George, that's what a cold, all right? Don't, all right. Don't quit your day, George. Yeah, man, i got to <laughs> go back now and fix a couple of turlets. Yeah, I see you're looking at your watch there. I would imagine that you're constantly, you know, watching time pretty closely. Well, how much did you say we were getting an hour? Yeah. <laughs> let me check with our people. Well, Peters, let me thank you both. Peter Roach. Peter Gretsch, thank you so much for coming in. George, George, thanks for having us. It was a pleasure. Anytime. Peter Roach is president of the Manhattan chapter of the New York Superintendents Technical Association, and Peter Gretsch is the group's former president. The STA is online at superstechnicalassociation.org. You're tuned to Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. On this morning's show, we're talking shop with some of New York City's building superintendents. Coming up next, my interview with the residence manager of a swank building on Central Park South. And still to come, a super-turned-author talks about her new urban caper called, appropriately enough, Super in the City. My name is Desmond Begland. I'm the resident manager, superintendent at 40 Central Park South of Manhattan. And this is a lovely building right across the street from Central Park. Yes, it is a high-end luxury rental building, uh, 177 apartments. I thought I saw someone famous going into the elevator. Are there famous people in this building? Yes, we have a number of famous people, but uh, we don't disclose who they are. 
How do you describe your job to other people? It's a challenging public relations job uh, dealing with building of this uh, stature. Luxury, high-end rental, uh, you got to be uh, more of a supervisory role. You've got to be proactive in uh, maintenance, uh, repairs, safety, security, and cleanliness. And you've got to be uh, friendly, have professional staff and good uh, owner relationships, and it makes the job uh, pretty easy then. Now, you are a residence manager, also called a super. You're in a suit. I see no tool belt. No tool belt, but uh, that... Uh, didn't start out as a job with a suit and tie. I started out with a tool belt. The interview skills uh, for this business when I started out 26 years ago was all about your mechanical skills, what you knew about boilers, electric, plumbing. That was the main uh, requirement back in uh, the 80s when I started out. I progressed up the ladder over the years, and uh, I still... If the uh, requirement comes down at the emergency, I still have to go and get that tool belt. But do you have a staff, though, that you can dispatch as well? I have a staff of 23 here, concierge, doormen, porters, and four handymen. I also know that you've pretty much seen it all in your role as a residence manager. Tell me about some of the quirkier things that have happened to you on the job. There's some crazy stuff I've seen over the years. Uh, One of the Nastier things that you see happen on a regular basis basis is uh, residents who walk the dogs on the leash and the elevator takes off with the dog in the elevator and the resident is outside. It's happened on numerous occasions. I've had fires in the building. I've had suicides. I've had uh, a lot of uh, employee stories that uh, some of them I couldn't go into. But there's some wild and uh, crazy stories in experiences I've seen over the years, I would have to sit down and I could write a book on some of the stuff I've seen. There was one resident who wanted to ride his motorcycle off the 32nd floor of his building, is that right? Was that here? No, that was not at this location. That was at another location. And I got a phone call. It was a Saturday. I got a call from a staff member to say that he had taken his motorcycle to his apartment in the elevator. And uh, he was telling his party guests he was having a party that he was going to build a ramp right there and drive it out off his apartment, out off the 32nd floor, and that he could land on one wheel when he landed on the street. Obviously, uh, we called the police department and the fire department right away, and uh, he was stopped. Uh, whether he was going to do it or not, but uh, at the time, he, was a, he could have been the kind of a resident who would have done it, yes. So you believed the phone call right away? Absolutely, yeah. You've got to know who your residents are if they were pulling a trick or a stunt that would make no sense. But that could have developed into a serious situation, yes. I also understand that you found many rare items in the trash in your buildings. Over the years, uh, I've found a lot of stuff. Uh, fortunately, when a lot of elderly residents uh, pass away, family members are not... Uh, in town and they just discard everything that you have to go and clean the apartments out. I've got some rare books, uh, coins, uh, watches. This is stuff that's thrown out. People knowingly sometimes have thrown them out because they've had bad experiences. Wedding rings, books that's been signed by famous orders. Items so numerous that you could furnish 
and I have furnished numerous apartments with stuff that's been discarded. I understand that your children also work in this industry, am I right? That's correct. I have two sons. Uh, uh, my youngest son, Nicholas, he works here uh, at 40 Central Park South as a maintenance man. My other son, Carl, is a uh, superintendent in Riverdale and uh, loves the business also, and my son too. And you've made it your mission to help other people in this business, people like your son. You formed an organization. Yes, I did. I was uh, one of the founding members of the Hibernia Providence Society. It's a superintendent, resident managers club. Uh, it was founded in 2005. We currently have like 170 members. We are one of the only clubs in New York City that uh, take membership from handymen handymen who are looking to progress into the field of superintendent. What would you say is the biggest misconception about this industry? The first thing they say, oh, he lives rent-free. He gets to live on Park Avenue or Central Park South or Fifth Avenue. Believe me, there's a lot of stress in this business. It's day by day. You have no day that passes without some problems arising you got to be on your toes at all time in this industry. Uh, you got to follow up. And a lot of residents in buildings do not not understand the uh, problems we have and the stress we have in this build- business on uh, a day-by-day basis. It's a seven-day-a-week job. Most people don't understand that. It's 24 hours a day. Well, Desmond, I appreciate you taking time away from your busy day to talk with me. Thank you. You're welcome. Desmond Beglin is the resident manager, a.k.a. The Super, at 40 Central Park South. For more information about his group, check out HiberniaProvidenceSociety.com. It's not uncommon for supers to have to unravel mysteries, like finding the source of a leak. But super-turned-author Daphne Uviller created a more elaborate whodunit for the super in her new novel. Daphne's book is called Super in the City. She's here now to talk about it. Good morning, Daphne. Good morning, George. Thanks for having me. Super in the city. Now, the main character of this book is a young woman by the name of Zephyr Zuckerman. Mm -hmm. How much do you and Zephyr have in common? (laughs) The circumstances of the story, Zephyr is, this is a, Super in the city is, I like to think of it as an urban caper. It's about a young, highly educated woman in her 20s who suddenly becomes the super of her parents' uh, Greenwich Village building. And... I did manage my parents' building uh, in my 20s, and so a lot of the incidents... In uh, the West Village. In the West Village. As my mother likes to say, she said, oh, this is not autobiographical. (laughs) This book takes place on 12th Street, and our building is on 13th Street, (laughs) which I was not going to make public. But anyway, so I've tweaked some things. A lot of the zany stuff that happens to Zephyr did not happen to me. I mean... uh, you know, in some interviews, people said, tell me some kooky stories that have happened while you were super. And I sort of say, well, I, I made it fiction for a reason. It wasn't really that exciting. It was um, a lot of chores. Um, How did you, though, become super of your parents' building? Well, one thing that's different uh, is that the the building that I was, we called my, we called, we referred to me as a building manager, not so much a super. Um, and it's a much smaller, in reality, our building is much smaller um, than the one that Zephyr manages. In the, in the book, she's got, I think, there are seven units and a number of tenants. And um, for me, this is this is a building that I grew up in. My, my children are actually fourth generation on our block. Uh, my grandfather had a, had a bachelor pad somewhere in the block, and then my parents bought um, 
our place in the 70s, and and then my husband and I just renovated it, and now my kids are going to grow up there. Right around the time I was graduating from college, my parents actually bought the one other residential apartment in the building aside from ours. And what do you know? I was looking for a place to live. And they said, well, listen, if you're going to have this sweet pad, you know, it's got to be a little bit more than just paying the maintenance on it. And uh, we'd had some issues with our previous co-owners, um, some financial troubles and dishonesty. And they said, look, look and that, that is in the book, too, where they sort of turned to Zephyr and say, you know, we trust you. We need you to do this. This, you know, and um, and so they sort of said, "How about you manage everything?" And it turned out to be a big and pretty much never fun job. I mean, there's just there's nothing fun or glamorous. You know, I managed oil spills and and oil deliveries and tax bills and arcane forms from the city. And Zephyr actually had to deal with an oil spill, so that was true. <laughs> that was true. The oil spill was true, and I did learn that kitty litter is the best thing for soaking up an oil spill. And you know. I'm not so different from supers of most buildings in New York. I think what's different, obviously, is that um, you don't usually find sort of a, you know, upper middle class, young 23-year-old woman who's, you know, going out and not that I was such a partier, but, you know, sort of living the single life uh, by night and then by middle of the night (laughs) being a super with emergencies on you know, Christmas Eve when the heat goes out. Well, Zephyr became a super because the existing super was arrested for embezzlement, and that's when her parents asked her to take on the job. Exactly. Yeah, we, we didn't have that situation. We never had a super, really. It was just a small operation where the, the two co-op owners would sort of take care of things. And But since I was coming back to town, they said, hey, here's a good idea. Well, this guy James, the super of Zephyr's building, is quite the character. He speaks with a British accent until he's arrested, then he turns all Brooklyn. He's got a personality disorder. And uh, I didn't even know when I started this book that this was going to be, I hesitate to call it a mystery because you can sort of see what's coming down the pike. You know, it's more about the, the journey, the caper, the the funny experience. But um, I didn't know this was going to be any kind of mystery or funny crime element or anything. I knew that I wanted Zephyr to be the super. And I thought, well, hmm, how am I going to install her super? Oh, I'll have a previous super get arrested. Um, and then I won't give it away, but it turns out there's a a lot linked to um, James's activities, and he became a much bigger character than I, I, I thought he was going to be gone after the first scene, and he became a much bigger character. The British slash Brooklyn multiple personality disorder was, you know, you do a lot to amuse yourself as a writer. You're sitting there alone with your computer, and you just start making stuff up. Zephyr strikes up a love-hate relationship with the exterminator, Gregory. Mm. Zephyr has many relationships with many men in this book. Um, And I would say that I trolled many past relationships uh, to come up with them. And, And the men are an amalgam of different men and other people I've known. You know, I might take the physical attributes of one person I know, take the way I felt about another, and then the personality traits of a third and mush them all together. Um, And I thought Gregory, who is an exterminator uh, who comes to the building, and I, again, entertain myself by naming him um, Gregory Sampson after Gregor Sampsa in The Metamorphosis, (laughs) the cockroach in The Metamorphosis. And yes, they do have a love-hate relationship. I thought it would be very much more exciting to have them you know, have have a lot of trouble with each other than to just make it an easy relationship. Getting back to Gregory for a moment, what's an exterminator supposed to look like? Because that's a recurring <laughs> issue in this book. <laughs> Zephyr notices um, Gregory is tall and angular and pale with a slightly large nose. And um, he has these long, graceful fingers that she thinks looks should look beyond an academic or an artist. And she thinks, hmm, he looks Jewish. And I didn't know exterminators could be Jewish. I do like to play with stereotypes and um, 
try to blast them out of the water, but also to confront them, just to put what everybody thinks. Um, Zephyr herself is breaking a stereotype about supers. Exactly, exactly. I mean, there aren't, right, uh, uh, a lot of young white Jewish women supers either, um, as far as I know. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the things I love about New York, is that nobody is what they look like. And it's just so fabulous. And, you know, I want to pick my words carefully, but, you know, you can have a particular race, age, level of tattoos and body hair, and that person could be, you know, a professor of archaic languages. And I really think that is my favorite thing about the city. And and probably if you left the five boroughs, you would find people who surprised you. But I'm, I'm much less surprised when I leave the city than I am here. When did you turn from a super to a rider? You could say I'm still the super because it turns out, uh, you know, I now own these apartments. I inherited them. And it turns out you have to do exactly the same thing as a homeowner as you do managing somebody else's property. Uh, so in some ways, I've never stopped being a super. I started writing uh, while I was uh, managing the building. So it was it was at the same time, but I was not writing Oh, that's not true. I was writing fiction. I was I was an editor at Time Out magazine for a long time, um, and I got my start writing hundreds and hundreds of book reviews. Um, and then I did turn my hand to screenplays, which got me some attention and meetings in L.A., but nothing more. Uh, and so that was my first foray into fiction since, you know, I was younger, since high school when I was writing short stories. So I was doing it at the same time. I can see Super in the City on film. Are you hoping that it goes there? We've, we've had some inquiries and we're hopeful. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much, George. Daphne Uvilla is the author of Super in the City. It's out now from Bantam Books. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Bodarki. My thanks to producer Michal Neria. Have a great weekend. 